Well, hey, whether you stumbled onto my podcast or you've been a longtime listener, I'm glad you're listening. What is this podcast all about? Well, it's about people just like me, just like you, about age 60, maybe a little older, maybe a little younger, but you, like me, are trying to figure out how you're going to do life for this next 10, 20, 30 years. How are you going to stay healthy? What are you going to eat? Are you going to exercise? How are you going to do the things you really, really want to do in retirement? Uh, But most importantly, things that I think about go along these lines. How am I going to avoid assisted living? How am I going to maintain my independence? How am I going to enjoy life to its fullest until God says my time is done? Thank you for joining me. I hope you enjoy the podcast. my friends and welcome to another episode of Pushing 60 Aside with your host Gene Fleming. That's me, ISSA certified fitness trainer who specializes in senior fitness. What does it take to be senior? Well, you need to live <laughs> good grief. You need to live past 60 for sure. Uh, 60 is considered middle age. And apparently AARP thinks that uh, we turn senior about the time we're 55. You know, I always turn those offers to AARP down. You know, the one where you get a fanny pack and a, and a one-year subscription of their magazine for like 12 bucks. I couldn't get past the fanny pack. Um, but they started sending me ads in the, in the mail probably about the time I turned uh, 52 or 53. And I, I just laughed because I thought, uh, you know, don't age me before it's time. Let me age on my own free will. But, you know, that was a mistake. I wish I had started reading <clears throat> about issues that are relevant to seniors when I was in my early 50s, perhaps. And I wish I had followed some of the advice that's in the AARP magazine. Now... I still don't subscribe to the magazine. I study senior living with people like hospice organizations, caregiver organizations, the Council on Aging, and of course, sources that relate to fitness. But, uh, you know, it's Thanksgiving week. This is Sunday night before Thanksgiving, and, you know, and we're planning on spending our Thanksgiving with just us two and the, and the dogs, and uh, we bought our Thanksgiving feast early uh, because uh, we didn't want to be in crowded stores. And it's just as simple as that. Um, you know, we didn't want to get caught up in panic buying next, uh, um, you know, Tuesday and Wednesday. And uh, and I really didn't want to be out on the, on the roads traveling either. So I guess I finally become a homebody, even if it wasn't by my own choice. As you well know, we've crossed 250,000 Americans who have now died due to coronavirus. And this grieves my heart to um, unimaginable depths. And it grieves me because, you know, if some simple rules had been followed, many of these people would not have succumbed to the disease. Furthermore, if we as Americans, and I'm going to say Americans and Canadians, had always taken better care of ourselves, 
and uh, had taken the preventive measures from the time we were, say, 35 or 40 to get to this pushing 60 aside age, you know, maybe the virus would not have been a threat to any of us. As it stands, if we've got comorbidities, and by now you should know what those are, and if you don't, uh, well, anything that increases physically, anything that increases the likelihood that you're not going to live to your original uh, age potential. That's a nice way of saying that, but you know the diseases that uh, generally uh, make life shut down early on us, and it has to do with cardiovascular disease, it has to do with lung disease, and it has to do with diabetes, and it can have have to do with immune-compromised individuals, and, uh, and it also has to deal with obesity. I'm not going to shy away from the obesity topic, and, um, you know, because it's a real topic, and more and more lately as they're trying to get our attention about how serious uh, this new spike, it's not just a spike, it's, it's continuing to uh, the numbers are continuing to go up with astounding levels of positivity uh, every day here lately. And um, so they're taking some pretty drastic measures on the news, and they're showing us uh, news clippings of, uh, or videos of actual COVID patients that are intubated or otherwise being treated. And uh, I watched with great interest tonight on the CBS show, uh, 60 Minutes, <clears throat> as they interviewed a doctor who is part of a 40-doctor team who is who are researching what they're calling long haulers syndrome or disorder. And I don't like it. It's, it's just called long haulers. And these are people who were never intubated but who got COVID of all ages, from 20s to their 40s, who now have progressive symptoms that are neurological in nature, um, they're respiratory in nature, and uh, they're muscular in nature. And um, so we know now that just because you get out of the hospital doesn't mean you got to pass. one of the ladies they featured, one of the patients they featured, was a marathon runner, you know, 43 years old, African-American woman, beautiful lady, beautiful lady, and, um, and uh, she ran, so we know she was doing the fitness thing, she was not obese, so we know she didn't have that added comorbidity, but uh, she got exposed to the virus, she got very sick with it. And uh, she didn't have to be intubated, but she did require uh, advanced medical treatment. And, and then she recovered, or so they thought. And uh, this lady who was once an avid runner, uh, who had no problem tackling 26.2 mile distances, now has trouble uh, walking two blocks. Her hands tremble uh, her her thumb closes in on her palm involuntarily in a, in a constant nervous twitch. 
another patient that they talked to, uh, she was exposed and, be, and was positive and got sort of sick. Not really sick, you know, just the kind of like a normal flu kind of sickness. But since she was cleared and supposedly, uh, uh, you know, filled with antibodies to the uh, coronavirus uh, and went on practicing medicine, uh, she started having these massive headaches. And of course, this couldn't have been too long ago because she appeared on 60 Minutes tonight. Uh, but the sad thing is, she died since the time that they filmed this particular episode. And the episode is fairly current. It was, it was, it was a current edition played tonight on TV. And so, in the time that it took them to edit and put their program together, this doctor has died. Uh, I would estimate her age to be under 50. But her whole life was about uh, researching this long haulers disease that follows coronavirus. And I would think that anybody who watched that show tonight would think perhaps but by the grace of God that's me and you know maybe some of us are just lucky maybe some of us are super careful maybe some of us do a better job at hygiene and distancing and mask wearing and and staying home than others I really really don't know what the formula is and I don't think anybody does um Another thing in that uh, program tonight, and I hate to talk about 60 Minutes, but it it really stirred some fire in me that uh, in the Tampa Bay, Florida area, or in the city of Tampa, I should say, um, 7,000 students are missing from school. And social workers are going out and trying to find these students, and most of them are pre-K, K, first grade age kids, so they'd be four, five, six years old, and, uh, and um, their parents chose not to send them to school this year, not online, not in person, and by law, kids are required to go to school. Now, you can get away with not going to pre-K. In some places, you can get away without going to kindergarten, but... Uh, you know, so this social worker, her job since the school year started in August, so that's August, September, October, and halfway through November, her sole job has been to try and find these missing kids. And uh, most of them, the parents kept them home out of fear of sending them to school. You know, I'm kind of okay uh, because I was a kid that didn't go to kindergarten and then certainly didn't go to pre-K. There was no such thing as daycare for children. We all had stay-at-home moms back then. But even as a, a three, four, and five-year-old myself, my mother frequently read to me. She taught me how to, to use crayons and to color in coloring books. And uh, she taught me how to write the alphabet. And I could do that by the time I was four or five years old. And when I got to school for first grade, um, I found the first grade to be a whiz. It was, you know, it was it was a piece of cake. 
and uh, because not everybody has a mother uh, who's determined to educate their their young children. But I'm not really worried about the you know four and five year olds that didn't go back to school because if their mothers are capable and gifted in teaching them the fundamentals that you know colors, shapes, the names of things, a good diction, uh, basic grammar rules, um, maybe even how to read a little bit in a, in a child's book, um, maybe even looking at picture books and telling stories of what they see in the pictures. Uh, not every mom or dad is gifted in or, or has the patience these days to persevere in keeping that ball rolling and going forward and ever increasingly more challenging. So most of these young kids are staying home with parents that are afraid to send them to school, and some of them have moved. They're no longer in the addresses they were a year ago. Uh, they didn't register for school this year. The ones I really worry about, though, are the are the first graders, because you know first grade is really where the rubber meets the road, and where you know writing and uh, you know everything from writing to art to learning to read, it, uh, doing basic math, it all starts to kick in the first grade. And these 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 six year old kids are not in school. Imagine how far they'll be behind when school starts again for them and when everybody's vaccinated and, and we have a relative degree of safety uh, for public gatherings in school and sports and everything else. So these things concern me. Uh, the long haulers really uh, concerns me and the number of kids that are allegedly being homeschooled and, uh, you know, right now, I can tell you, it doesn't matter if I have a bachelor's degree or a master's degree. I could not homeschool a kid over sixth grade. I couldn't. I, 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 I could not teach algebra at an understandable level. I could not. I might could teach biology. I might could teach English. But I couldn't teach the advanced, you know, college prep level stuff that high schoolers are getting these days. And um, and if I can't, um, with all my experience in instruction, formal instruction with the Navy especially, time in public classrooms as a teacher and as a substitute teacher, if I don't feel capable of teaching, you know, children from say 12 to 18. I can only imagine what parents all over are going through uh, in the name of trying to homeschool their children, or even if they're doing at home on computers. Uh, many, contrary to public belief, not every parent is gifted in the use of laptops, of the internet, of Wi-Fi, of technology. You know, maybe they have a cell phone, but. Uh, being able to work over the shoulder of your of your youngster as they're you know trying to work out a word problem in mathematics, a lot of parents don't have that level of skill. They never got it in high school either. Uh, you know, you know we have letter grades to represent our success in our various 
subjects we study in school, and the A student is usually the overachiever, and the B student is a pretty good student. But you know, there's a lot of C and D students who barely pass, uh, you know, their letter grade schools. You know, um, the letter grade. Where did I come up with that? They barely pass just the basics of uh, public education, and uh, but they get by just enough to. Uh, get a diploma, but that doesn't mean that they're gifted at much of anything, you know, when it comes to academics. It's a whole different ball of wax to go from a person who can solve a geometry problem to somebody who can teach somebody how to solve a geometry problem. And we won't even dig into advanced algebra, calculus, trigonometry, and things like that. you know, I never did particularly well in those subjects. I did very well in business math, though. <laughs> hey, I can pay a credit card off and write a check. Uh, so that was a, a long, long time ago in a universe far, far away. But tonight, you know, I'm thinking about Thanksgiving, and I really am a thankful person, and I hope you are too. Uh, I'm thankful that uh, whether it was through academic endeavors or good common sense, um, that I have avoided contracting the coronavirus thus far. You know, it, it, it's, it must not be that hard to get, you know. And, and if nothing else, wearing a mask has taught me to keep my hands off my face. And uh, so if I touch a doorknob and then pick my nose, well, guess what? I don't, I don't pick my nose. <laughs> I, you know, I, I am super careful. I don't rub my eyes, and I used to be a chronic, chronically bad about rubbing my eyes. I don't do that anymore. It's just too unsafe. And uh, if I go through a door, any public store, I go through it backwards. If I have to pull the door open, I pull it open with my pinky because, uh, you know, I'm just over careful perhaps some people would say I'm paranoid but guess what I'm thankful this week that Kathleen is alive and well and I'm alive and well and uh, most of my close friends well all of my close friends are still alive and well and you know if I have to weather the storm six more months one more year well I've proven to myself and uh, I'm going to say Kathleen and I have proven to ourselves that we can go through a difficult time when we can't do the things we really want to do. And we can look at it for what it is. We can detest it, but we take it in stride. And one of the things Kathleen and I have started doing is we're playing a Nintendo game together. Uh, rather than her sitting on her pad and me sitting on my iPad and playing word games and things like that, we've got this interactive game called Animal Crossing that we play. It's silly. It's fun. It's, it requires creativity. It requires the ability to design. Basically, we live on an island, and we do everything from snorkeling and shell collecting to fishing to... Uh, building furniture to, you know, it's it really it's it's a, it's a village type thing, you know, and uh, everybody there is pleasant. All the animals are cartoon animal caricatures of uh, 
of animals. There's kangaroos and hedgehogs and and uh, and then there's Kathleen and me. Um, we plant flowers. We harvest flowers. We we, we planted pumpkins. Uh, we harvest the pumpkins. We sell the pumpkins. Uh, you know, we've redesigned our homes, and yeah, we have different homes. Uh, she's been doing this for about six or eight months. I've been doing it for a couple of weeks. But I used to sit and watch her play because it was so fascinating. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's just crazy. But in this, we're thriving as a couple. You know, it's, it's a common interest that's something besides our kids, the dogs, the politics, the pandemic. It, it's something where I can rush into the living room and say, oh my gosh, I just caught a snow crab. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and an octopus. You know, you know, when have I ever said those words to my wife before? Never. And she goes, oh, no, not the snow crab. I've always wanted to catch one of those. Where was he? Which beach was he off of? Because you have to snorkel out with your little cartoon self and, and dive for him. Fascinating. Just fascinating. Um, and, you know, this is, this is one of those games that's suitable for 10 and older. And so we've got it. We're six times qualified to play this game, but age-wise. So we're doing that. Thanksgiving, what are our plans? Our plans are to stay home. Kathleen is making a sugar-free pecan pie because she does a masterful job doing it. And it really is not calorie-free now, but it is sugar-free. The crust is made from almond flour. And, uh, and, uh... You know, she's she's got this down to a science on this one pie that is sugar-free. We plan to have sweet potatoes. We may have some um, black forest ham. And um, I see, what else did I get? Oh, and she wants stovetop stuff and, you know, the stuff out of the box. I don't care. That's what she wants for her Thanksgiving. I'm so thankful she's here. You know, yeah, we'll go off diet for the day because, you know, it's a time to celebrate as best we can with what we've got we're making do people we're making do uh, don't like it our kids aren't coming this year uh, of course they didn't come last year and there wasn't a pandemic so you know but uh, they understand they don't want us to come where they live they don't want us to travel they don't want the risk of exposure they've already lost their grandfather to COVID-19 and uh you know, so they have felt the sting of this virus already. Yet, they don't take a whole lot of precautions. And uh, so we all decided, you do your thing, we'll do our thing. We'll love each other from afar. We'll FaceTime on Thanksgiving Day. You look at our dinner, we'll look at your dinner. <laughs> and, and, and hopefully, you know, next Thanksgiving, we can have a big get-together. I'm holding out for it. I want to be alive next Thanksgiving, and my job now is to uh, continue being a good boy, you know, to continue uh, washing and sanitizing and cleaning and and using this almost paranoid behavior I have going into stores and um, shops when I have to. And I don't go unless I have to. You know, I haven't cranked my car in, in three days. To me, that's amazing because almost every day I have to go somewhere and do something, whether it's to the bank or 
to Walmart or to the grocery store or to the gas station. You know, there's always something, it seems, every day, sometimes to the post office or to UPS, but there's always something I've got to go do, or it seems. But I'm finding out that it's probably better for me to consolidate my essential trips all on one day. You know, and Kathleen writes it on the calendar. Jean went shopping at Walmart on this on this day. And, and because, you know, if she wants to think back to how and when I got infected, if I get infected, she'll say, mm-hmm, it was that Walmart trip last week. You know, dirty buggy, uh, dirty product, uh, uh, incidental wipe of the eyes, uh, uh, you know, the mask only worked 85% perhaps or 70%, uh, airborne virus, you know, that, that had to be the day because if you didn't go anywhere else, that's got to be it. So anyway, she's a, she's a big help to me. I can't stress to you folks what a super help my wife is. You know, she has attended more continuing education workshops on blood-borne pathogens and viruses as a dental hygienist than you can imagine. She's very smart about how all this works. And uh, and so I'm glad she's on the team gene, so to speak, to, to remind me, walking out the door, don't forget your mask, to remind me, uh, you know, to refill my hand sanitizer in the car. Uh, and we carry alcohol wipes in the car, too. Uh, so, you know, we're doing everything that's reasonable and fair. You know, we didn't ask for this. We wouldn't wish it on anybody, yet it came. And, um, you know, I'm hoping, I'm hoping to God, God in heaven, that people are really super conscientious as they travel and gather uh, this holiday season. I know they're going to do it. And a lot of people are going to lose grandparents uh, and great aunts and great uncles and maybe even sister-in-laws and folks like that that, that have the comorbidities. And that one person's going to come into that house who's the life of the party. And he's going to tell jokes and he's going to hug people and he's going to say, Oh, it's nothing. We're all healthy. I, and even if he got tested before he left California and and flew to, let's say, South Carolina. You know, there's a possibility he got infected on the plane. A couple of two or three days at home, and he's spouting coronavirus. And, uh, you know, and I have told at least a half dozen people now, especially seniors, that they, some people say, oh, I can tell when somebody's sick, but that's the problem with asymptomatic people, you can't tell. You just can't tell. They may not be able to tell. And so everybody has to take precautions as if the person they're sitting with in a car or sitting with at a table is in fact positive. And that that is so out of character for us. Deborah Brown and I ran 5K back on uh, uh, September the 29th. And uh, I've ran this race uh, four years straight, and uh, and it's a hard race. The, the first half of it is all uphill, 
it's not a steep uphill, but it's still uphill for a mile and a half. And, uh, you know, when we assembled for the race, everybody was on their best behavior. They were on their best coronavirus behavior. Everybody had their mask on. Uh, the people that, you know, when you check in and, you know, and you get your swag bag and your, your bib and all the stuff that goes with racing, uh, everybody was playing by the rules. But when we came back across the finish line, people started, uh, now we ran without mask on. Because, and, and that's okay because once you stretch out in a race, you know, you're lucky if you're even 12 or 15 feet within anybody else. The faster runners take off and us old slow guys kind of pull up the mid-pack and, and the rear. And, um, you know, before long, we were just out there by yourself for a mile and a half. But uh, when we got back to town and they were giving away the medals and the door prizes and all the stuff that goes with the race, uh, those masks started coming off really quick, really quickly. They started coming off, and then we posed for pictures. And I really let myself down because, you know, I want my face to be seen next year. It wasn't so important that my face be seen this year, but I squatted on the ground for the group picture, and we sat there while, you know, a half dozen people took photos of the finishers, and uh, or the medalists, I should say, and, um, you know, I could have gotten coronavirus that very day, uh, and nobody seems to know exactly how it's going to affect them, you know, yeah, comorbidities are one thing, but we heard from 60 Minutes tonight, being a marathon runner and having an ideal body weight and being full of life and being only 43 years old is not enough to protect you. And, uh, and I'm sure you've heard stories where you live on your local news, but uh, this Thanksgiving, give thanks that you're going to be here next year because you're not going to take unnecessary risk. And that's from my heart to your heart, from my mind to your mind. Uh, you know, I'm just a fitness trainer. I can't, I can't fix comorbidities. I'm not a doctor, uh, as you well know. But what I can do is encourage you, don't let this COVID fatigue thing get you down. Yet yeah, we're all tired of it. We're sick of it. We want things back to normal. I want to be able to hug people that I love. I want to be able to uh, train large groups of people like I was once doing. I feel like I got robbed. I feel like somebody came in and stole part of my life, a very critical part of my life. And, uh, but I am determined that, uh, you know, whether I have to play silly video games with my wife and play with my dogs and groom my dogs and bathe my dogs, and it's a lot about dogs, isn't it? Yesterday, I had to mow the yard and mulch the leaves. I had to do the weed eating. I had to do the raking, all of that sort of stuff. Life is going on. It's different, but it's rocking right on. Hey, that's my thoughts for tonight. I'm using a completely different microphone. I hope this worked because I just recorded 30 minutes of nonstop yab, 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 yab. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, to all of you, wherever you live, Happy Thanksgiving. I truly mean that. And before it, the holiday gets here, start planning on being here for next Thanksgiving. Wear your mask, social distance, and love people from afar. People can tell when you love them. 
And whatever you do this week, call somebody that you need to talk to. Don't text them. Call them. Let them hear your voice. Let them hear the love in your voice. And, and let them hear your uh, how much you miss them. People need to hear this. And uh, I know it's hard. I know it's hard. But y'all keep the faith. And until next time, this is Gene Fleming on the Pushing 60 Aside podcast. May the good Lord bless you in the next week.